Hi, I'm Shelly. And I'm Cam. And this is Translating ADHD. Last week, we talked about imposter syndrome, something that gets in the way for so many of my clients and keeps them from seeing and leveraging their unique strengths and their unique value adds. And that's actually what we're going to talk about today is what happens on the other side of imposter syndrome, this place where we can step into competence and a confidence in that competence. Cam, do you want to say more about what it is we're going to dive into today? Yeah. Last week in our Discord Q&A, someone was asking us about the creative process. And we were like, yeah, it's seamless. It's seamless, Shelly. And this week, it's been anything but seamless. But we find it that when we kind of do an arc and we're playing around or developing a new arc, it takes some work to really figure out what's our next flight plan going to be. And I think this is a great follow-up to last week with imposter syndrome, because we can talk about all these things that get in the way and exacerbate imposter syndrome. And what you're talking about there is these elements that are so key to moving past that, that getting to this place of competence and confidence really means employing some kind of a practice. This is stages of learning that are well known, is that where we all start is unconscious incompetence. We don't know what we don't know in any kind of learning. And this is part of our coach training. When we work with new coaches, it's teaching them that you're going to not be good before you're good. And with ADHD, that whole thing about when we don't succeed, it somehow means something more than that. It opens up that little drain hole in the bottom of the trap. You've already gone down to the basement and then there's a sub-basement where we drop down to even harsher criticism. That this failure is not just a failure. It means something more to the essence of our core. You're a fraud. You don't belong. You have nothing to add. Last week, I talked about how ADHD can be this enhancer, the MSG, that makes that inner critic louder. So we left a little teaser last week about practice and really identifying your self-worth. I would say that that was a huge obstacle for me in being able to move forward to get to this place of conscious competence, this coupling of competence and confidence. It's a process. It's a journey. It's embracing that, having a sense of what are we trying to achieve and keeping an eye on that and allowing for setbacks because setbacks are going to happen. But when you can start to move out of that imposter grip and start to identify what your value is. This begins with starting to distinguish what your strengths are from your challenges. And this is actually, I would say, a developmental stage in your acceptance of your ADD. You get to this point where you start to delineate and distinguish, oh, I'm not all this or all that. You can identify your own unique gifts. Kind of taking those gifts to market can be another challenge because that's about 
finding spheres of positive influence, that you own it and then you translate it and share it with others. And here's this dilemma of, well, how much do I share? There's all kinds of challenges that can come into play here. But back to where we started with this, starting to distinguish what your add value is will address this bottom line dilemma around self-worth. We have to have some self-worth there in order to move forward in practice and couple together confidence and competence. Cam, I want to say a little more about the coupling of those two words and the client that brought those two words to me. So we talked about this client last week when we talked about imposter syndrome. It's a new client who finds herself ping-ponging back and forth between feeling some amount of confidence and feeling like a fraud. So this is where that competence word comes in. So many of my new clients, especially the ones who are self-employed in some way, come to me with knowledge as one of their values. And what's interesting about that is it's always a double-edged sword because they're bringing knowledge almost as a way to make up for. We've talked about as ADHD people, how we tend to feel like we have to make up for. So there's this limiting belief that if I just become expert enough, or if I just learn enough, then these feelings of inadequacy will go away. And the truth is, none of us can know everything. I am still learning every day. And Cam, you are still learning in our field every day. We're in different places as far as our overall expertise, but there's still learning to be had there. And until we can step out of that limiting belief that we have to know it all in order to be competent and in order to be confident in that competence, we're going to keep having that imposter syndrome experience. We're going to keep ping-ponging back and forth. So there's a mechanism there that you're talking about above the lunch counter with black and white thinking, with perfectionism, with tethering expectation uh, that we paint this picture of competence and kind of assign this expectation that I need to know all of it. And then, then the confidence will come, but then the confidence doesn't come because we can never fill that bucket. We can never get to that level of expectation that we automatically create without really even recognizing it. So limiting scope is a real favorite of mine here. And this is part of my old, old acronym of REBEL. The L of REBEL is limit scope. And that's kind of bringing back to what are we trying to do here? I love that in the sense of kind of embracing this perspective of a learner. And, you know, you and I, we sort of, <laughs> in doing this podcast, it's like we've really embraced this idea of a lifelong learning. I'm teaching, I'm mentoring, I'm training, but I'm also, it's about the learning. I'm learning all the time. So that's really this recognizing maybe if there's that need to know, or I should know everything before I can proceed. Like, no, there's more to be had here. And it opens us up to curiosity to be curious about the situation. So back to this idea of in this place, in our model of understand, own, translate, 
we talked about this kind of as we start to own. It's the ownership of the dilemma and the challenge, but also the ownership of your ad value, your sense of self. You're someone who matters, who has something to contribute. And so then how do you exercise that? What is the practice there to start to play around with this competence, confidence coupling? I would say that was brilliant that you brought that up before the episode, because that's what I'm noticing is, again, the way that I really beat back that imposter and imposter syndrome is this regular practice of the skill development and then the acknowledgement of that and allowing that confidence to kind of catch up with that competence. And it is this sort of leapfrog, yin-yang type experience that happens there as we learn about something, as we move forward. I think that part of the dilemma as we get to this place, we're kind of popping with all this information is what to share, how much to share. And that's a whole nother area of challenge with ADD. What I would do is I would either share too much or too little. One way that I presented in the world was, it was sort of like this kind of defiant Popeye, you know, I am who I am. (laughs) (laughs) Or the hurt puppy dog, you know, I just love me. Just just love all of me. So I just want to tuck in under your wing. (laughs) Just, Just tuck in. When I was just seeking sort of structural support, you know, I had no structure for activation or moving forward. Can I borrow your structure system? But I didn't know it was a structure system I needed. But then that presentation of, you know, this, these two characters, people never knew which cam was going to show up. And ooh, those two <laughs> really cam. I digress. So, Cam, you went really big there for a second. <laughs> you know, me? Yeah, me? you. I know. Shocker. Oh, um, so unusual for Cam to go big. Oh, my God. But I like to rein you back in a little bit, which I know is super unusual for me, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One of your strengths. Yeah, right? it is. Where you're confident and competent, Shelly. Yeah. yeah. So let's go back to this place of stepping out of imposter syndrome, stepping into the coupling of confidence and competence and learning how to then leverage that Mm. outwardly, which is not easy. And Cam and I recognize that because we are in the unique position where we do get to show up being all of ourselves. And it's good for our brand to do that. It's good for our brand to let our ADHD hang out on the line for all of you to see. But Many of you working either in traditional employment or freelancing, working with other people in collaboration, don't have that luxury. So what do you do? How do you get from the place where you're living in imposter syndrome and your behaviors are coming from that? And Cam, I had a client who didn't realize what a good collaborator she was because she was too busy hiding all of her work until it was done. The ADHD behavior there was hiding her work until it was complete because of past missed deadlines, because of worrying she wasn't far enough along, because of not really having a sense of what her role was, what the priorities were in the work that she was doing. So she didn't want to show it 
to anyone else until it was done and perfect. She was completely missing what a good collaborator she actually is and what a strength that is for her to work in collaboration with others. So, Cam, I'm curious how we got from this person who didn't know what he didn't know and therefore couldn't articulate what he needed or what his ad value was to where you are today. So the way that I presented with those two extremes, sort of like, love me or defiant Popeye, I am who I am, you can't change me, was really started with not having those channels open to receiving what I might be good at or what I am adding to the situation. Because that inner critic was basically commandeering all the airwaves, that if you basically, I was left with this, I have nothing to add. I have nothing to contribute. Why would they want to hear from me? So then with that, I would present out of my limbic of defiant or desperate. Ooh, <laughs> oh, just sorry. I'm so sorry. I just want to apologize to all those people when I kind of showed up as that desperate guy. Ooh, sorry. <laughs> it's like <laughs> that need to be like, you know, again, that, that desire to be accepted, but not being able to put into language what my needs were or, you know, how I might be able to contribute. Again, back to this dilemma of how much to share, what to share. Talk about the idea generator that would just blow the top of my head off whenever I come up to the chip dip at a party. It's like, what to share is like, Kablooey, everything and anything. And it was coming back to this sort of opening ourselves up to reflecting on, okay, let's assume that I am adding something to the conversation. What is the evidence of that? Remember last week, we talked about the inner critic and how the inner critic really dabbles in beliefs and lack of evidence. What they say is not based in evidence. So going back to evidence and really looking for evidence around what is it that you do add? Let's assume that you're adding something. I had such a hard time, Shelly, when I first started out, and again, back to this whole money thing, it was never about the money for me, but it was so much not about the money. I couldn't even like ask for money because it meant something around my self-worth. It's like, why would people give me money? For what I have to give because there's nothing there. So I had to really address the self-worth element. But the thing is, is it's not that I didn't have self-worth. The ADD was putting a veil between me and my ability to see my self-worth. So you have to first be able to see it, believe it. And that comes through practice and competence and this confidence thing. Then own it then start to translate and share of, oh, this is how I can add to this situation. It's really fascinating. There's a constant here around this distinguishing of really delineating. We talked about this before the start today is that a stage of kind of development in your own acceptance of your ADHD is to get to this place where it is pluses and it is minuses. It is strengths and it is challenges. It is both. And the both live together. And you can see them. You can see them how they play out and manifest 
And you're making these links between causation above the lunch counter and down in the deep valleys. And so being able to see that and distinguish it yourself is the starting place. And here's another thing. You said earlier, oh, I got to become a a content, you know, I have to have a, a content expert and know everything before I can proceed. That's one thing. Another thing is to work on your weaknesses first. We've talked about this before. It's like, again, a sequencing dilemma with ADHD is, okay, here are my weaknesses. People are telling me about this in my performance improvement plan. I need to address these things. And again, that's where our focus is, is help me make these challenges go away. We're focused on that negative signal when in fact, here's this strength area that's not getting any kind of traction or attention. So we're saying both. You want to address both and you can. So being able to say, okay, let's assume there's a strength there that's underrepresented. What is that? And how can I have it show up more in safe places? We talk about positive spheres, identifying positive spheres. That's positive people. That's positive environments that will kind of open up that strength portal to be able to go into. So that kind of that opportunity to collaborate, to be creative, to problem solve, to come up with creative solutions, and then be able to share your ad value in a safe way where it's not open to day one of uh, duck hunting season. A duck shoot. (laughs) So, listeners, today we went really broad, but that's because we're not done with this topic. And I want you to really understand where we're going to be over the next several weeks. We are living in the arena between ownership and translation. Stepping into ownership, and Cam, you just said this, but I'm going to repeat it because it's so important is really about stepping into that perspective where ADHD is neither a gift nor a curse, or it's both a gift and a curse, depending upon how you want to take it. Either one is fine. But it's stepping into that perspective of, this is my brain. And I've spent a lifetime fighting against the way my brain is wired. Now I'm ready to work with the way that my brain is wired. And once we are in this place, and there's a reason that these steps come in an order, that it's understand before own and it's own before translate, because once we are in a place of ownership, that is when we can articulate outward to others from a new place, not from that one down perspective, that fear perspective, they're going to find me out. They're going to figure out that I'm a fraud or I don't belong or that I can't keep my stuff together, but from a place of strength, a place of knowing what you're good at, knowing what you're not good at, and knowing what you need. And this is going to be the overarching theme of the next several episodes is that place between ownership and translation, translating both inward and outward, because this is where we really start to gain traction. This is the place where I start to see my clients have really consistent change that compounds over time once we're here and never before, because before we're here, we're so prone to slipping right back into that imposter syndrome or any of the other 
nasty places down in the valley and not knowing how to get out. I still end up in the valley sometimes. I still end up in the valley specifically in the area of imposter syndrome sometimes. But I know how to build that stove now. I know how to climb my way back out quickly because I can recognize that false voice for what it is. And I'm in ownership. I know my brain. I know what those voices are trying to do. And I know that that doesn't serve me. I love that. I love that's a great little wrap up for today, Shelly. It reminds me of a analogy I like to use with my clients is that they're coming and they sort of think, um, okay, this coach is going to help me stay in the saddle. And I really kind of share a perspective shift there of, you know, if we build some step stools around that horse, that it's reliable step stools to be able to get back up in the saddle easier. As you said, you go into the valley, but you know now you have an operating manual for getting out of that valley. You've been here before. You have confidence and competence of valley work, be able to recognize it, know the signs, but build your stove or find your step stool, get back in the saddle, re-engaging. This is part of the journey. This is part of practice. And that failure need not be more than a learning opportunity. Setbacks happen. And listeners, what you want to do, an opportunity is to, for this week, is to kind of notice the meaning you tether to a setback. Do you supersize it? Do you make it bigger than it need be? Setbacks happen. But I love that. And I love where we are in this place of between ownership and translation. And we're going to be playing here for a bit because you can't create change all by yourself. It's finding people, it's finding environments where you can share and collaborate and bring your unique perspective and gifts to the table. So I'm excited to venture out on this new arc. Me too, Cam. And one more thing I'll add about what it's about is it's also about knowing when you're not in the right place. I've had several clients when they step into ownership, be able to see their current work or life situation with fresh eyes because they're no longer just taking all of the blame on as is their habit. They're able to distinguish and recognize that I can't leverage my unique strengths here and or I can't get support for my unique challenges here. So this role is not for me. Right. And you did that a year ago. Yeah. In your own relationship. I sure did. And it was the best decision I've ever made for myself. I'm flourishing right now because I'm in a role that works for me again in my broader life. And for those who haven't listened to our backlog of episodes, the two episodes we're talking about, and I don't know the numbers, I apologize, but they're stepping into who you are and honoring who you are. And this was early summer of last year of 2020, if you wanted to find those. And I'm talking about my decision to get divorced. So on that cheery note, Cam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I didn't mean to throw a wrench in there oh, right no, at the last okay. minute. But like I said, as you were saying, <laughs> you recognized something that wasn't working. And it has, you know, nothing to do with your ex-partner. It no. just really recognizing this situation's not working and being able to move forward and making that decision. And I'm glad you called that out because that's an opportunity for listeners who haven't heard those episodes or who want to refresh to 
go back and understand what it's like to have that experience, to sort of hear my journey in making that discovery for myself and recognizing the need for change. Right. And with ADHD, what it can be is that in a situation that's not tenable, we will think, no, this is a test. I need to make this right. And I'm the dilemma, or I need to make the change here. And as you said, with a client last couple of weeks around the situation had nothing to do with their ADHD. It was that the environment was not working for them. Absolutely. So great place to wrap for today. And I can't wait to keep playing in this area between ownership and translate because it's an area we haven't yet spent a lot of time in on the show. It's kind of funny for how very important those parts of the model are to creating that bigger change with our clients. We haven't played in this wheelhouse yet, so there's lots more to come, everyone. In the meantime, if you like what we're doing here on the show, the number one way you can help us out is to leave a review wherever you listen. Reviews help other people find the show. The second way you can help us out is by becoming a patron. Visit the website, translatingadhd.com. Click on the Patreon link in the upper right-hand corner. And for $5 a month, you can not only financially support the show, you will also gain access to our Discord community where we discuss episodes and the models that we're working with with our listeners. And our listeners are working together to do their own understand, own, translate work. And we are now doing a bi-monthly Q&A. So twice a month, you can get either Cam and I for an hour right in the Discord community on video to answer your questions about the show, about ADHD, about coaching, and about eh, almost anything else you might want to ask us. <laughs> so until next week, I'm Shelly. And I'm Kim. And this was Translating ADHD. Thanks for listening. <laughs>